Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and this guy, this is a guy who thinks hand sanitizer is called ham sanitizer. Hello, Captain. You can call me the Captain, but my friends call me Julius Pepperwood. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. I'm from Chicago. Today we are featuring OK Pills by the good folks over Anthem Brewing Company in Oklahoma City. Garage grade, three and three quarter bottle caps out of five. According to Anthem Brewing, OK Pills is not the answer to all of your problems, but with a heavy dose of German Pilsner malt to start and European hops to finish, it may be close. And this week's beer was brought to us by these good folks right here. First up, cheers to Renee. From Olympia, Washington. And a big We Like Your Jib to Jamie in Rock Falls, Illinois. Next up, we have Dawn in Northbridge, Massachusetts. Also in Massachusetts, we have Elena in Easton. And we have Ashley in, I'm told it's pronounced Ta-in, Massachusetts. We all, we all know how <laughs> great I am with these Massachusetts towns. But cheers to the great state of Massachusetts. And the one that I'm going to mess up. A big shout out to Carolyn in Tuckahoe, Tennessee. And last but certainly not least, big Eskimo kisses to Dainty Dana in Nome, Alaska. Thanks to everybody for filling up the fridge for this week's show, and also thank you to everyone for your five-star reviews. Yeah, and I was telling you off the record that uh, if everybody bought a t-shirt, everybody that listened to the show bought a t-shirt, we'd be multi-multi-millionaires and we'd never have to do another ad and how great would that be so go to the store page buy a t-shirt make us multi-millionaires and then we'll never have to do another ad and that is enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime
many as 1,000 people packed into an Oklahoma church Monday to say goodbye to a prominent member of the state's religious community. Pastor Carol Daniels was found dead inside a small-town church late last month, apparently the victim of a violent attack. Daniels suffered gashes to her neck and throat, plus stab wounds to other parts of her body. Daniels traveled to the church every Sunday to deliver a sermon. Those who knew her are remembering the good she did in the community. She's always been the same person. Every time you saw her, always very sweet. Uh, just always love God, love people. Just the sweetest person you ever wanted to know. Always supportive, always love people. I was willing, you know, to jump in and tackle, you know, a task. Um, always wanted to help people. That was just her vision, her mission, was always wanting to help someone along the way. During Monday's service, mourners were asked to pray for whoever took Daniel's life. Some say the person responsible would have benefited from spending some time with the pastor. There's absolutely no logic other than that person didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they'd sat down and spent some time with Pastor Daniels, they would have come to know him and maybe made some other decisions. A $10,000 reward has been offered for information leading to an arrest and conviction in the case. Ed Donahue, The Associated Press. Mother and Pastor Carol Daniels lived in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Her son Alvin describes Carol as a loving mother, someone who was always joking and always taking care of her family. She was an extremely giving mother in person. Back in 2009, Pastor Carol Daniels was 61 years old. On Sunday, August 23rd, she got in her car and drove 60 miles or so southwest to Anadarko, Oklahoma. This was her routine for about four or five years. Every week on Sundays, driving 60 miles to Christ Holy Sanctified Church in a rundown area of Anadarko. She drove to the church to preach, or if no one was there, she would stay and pray. Anadarko, Oklahoma is described as a small town that in 2009 was economically depressed. About a half mile from the church is a neighborhood that was described as, quote, a pretty high crime area, troubled by drugs, including crack cocaine, and also having a large transient population. Now, on the other hand, we have this beautiful person. We have Pastor Carol Faye Daniels, who is a beacon of light, described as a champion for the helpless and the hopeless, there to serve God and the community. She kept the doors open each Sunday morning, waiting there with open arms. Sometimes she would go out into the streets, offering food and goodwill to those who needed it most. Ask anyone in the small town, Pastor Daniels was loved. Yeah, but it was a pretty small congregation, right? Well, Christ Holy Sanctified Church was a tiny church. It, it was a small, aging, white building with a big black cross on the front, now, they did have a marquee outside, which listed the worship times, as well as Pastor Daniel's name, and a simple message that said, God loves you. Now, on August 23, 2009, Pastor Daniels, after making the long drive to the church, she was seen at 10 a.m. outside of the church. Yeah, and she won't be discovered until about 1140, because retired Bishop Silky Wilson, Jr., and his wife are going to arrive at the church. Now, they get a little scared, so they don't go into the church. 
and they call law enforcement, and then law enforcement is going to find the pastor. So the way that this works is the Bishop Wilson and his wife, they arrive around 11.40 a.m. at the church, okay? And this is a fairly regular meeting. It didn't take place every Sunday, but this was a fairly regular thing for Bishop Wilson to meet Pastor Daniels at the church. Right. Okay, so they pull up. Everything seems normal, and they get to the front door. The problem is the front door is locked. Well, this is highly unusual. Um, Pastor, I'm sorry, Bishop Wilson couldn't recall another occasion where he arrived and the door was locked. So he uses his cane to knock on the door, but there's no answer. And Bishop Wilson said that the church was too quiet, as if no one was home. And this was confusing to him and his wife because Pastor Daniel's car was out front. Now, he said that they shouted, they tapped on the windows, they even drove around the building hitting the car horn, and still they got no response from anyone inside the church. Yeah, I mean, I think that this seems a little off, but think about it. You go to a small church, it's a small building, you know that your friend is supposed to be there, you knock, there's no answer, and her car's there. That's all you need to really get spooked, right? Mm-hmm. Well, th- th- this is also not a great area. Uh, I want to point that out. They have a pretty low murder rate uh, for that time in that that town, but this is not a great area. Uh, this is kind of a rundown side of town, and there's, uh, to put it as as politely as I can, there's there's some sketchy people in this neighborhood. Okay, so what happens here is he has his wife alert the police. Now, according to the incident report, the call that went out was for a welfare check at the church and regarding Pastor Daniels. So at approximately 12 noon, Officer Ashley Burris was dispatched to 305 Northeast 1st Street. Upon arriving at 12.02 p.m., he met with the reporting party, Bishop Wilson and his wife. Mm -hmm. Some of you may have noticed the very fast response time we should note that the police station is less than one city block from the church. Officer Burris entered the building from the side door. Once inside, he discovered the brutalized body of Pastor Daniels. The officer immediately called for backup, and within minutes, Officer Burris and two other officers cleared the building and secured the scene. Due to the heinous nature of the crime, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations were called in. Five officers waited outside the church guarding the scene until the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations arrived on the scene. Now, the State Bureau of Investigation, the lead agency in the case, tried to pull fingerprints or uncover even a shred of DNA evidence at the scene. They got neither. What was the early information that came out about the investigation? Well, so there there were some details that were very publicly known very early on in the investigation. And these come from statements of people working the case and people around the case. Mm-hmm. So first we have Cherokee Ballard is the state medical examiner's office spokeswoman who said, quote, a preliminary autopsy deemed Daniel's death a homicide caused by multiple sharp force injuries. Carol Daniels suffered numerous gashes to her neck and throat, as well as a stab wounds to her chest, back, stomach, and hands. 
Her body had been, quote, staged in an unnatural position. And then we have Dr. William Mannion, forensic pathologist, said Carol Daniels appeared to have been left in the form of a cross with both arms outstretched at her sides. Her head was nearly decapitated by the force of deep stabs to her neck and throat. According to local newspapers and their sources, the body of Carol Daniels was staged behind the church altar. Daniels' clothing had been removed, possibly to hide evidence or as some kind of trophy from the grisly scene. Investigators say her killer methodically sprayed a dissolving chemical around her body in an effort to destroy DNA evidence at the crime scene. And then District Attorney Brett Burns said, I've prosecuted over 50 murders. This is the most horrific crime scene I've ever witnessed. So, I mean, it sounds like it's premeditated if they're bringing some kind of cleaning solution. Well, what's not clear there is it could have been something that was found inside the church itself. Yeah, very true. Um, And then I do want to offer up one final statement. This is Mm -hmm. from Jessica Brown, State Bureau of Investigation spokeswoman, which going forward, just to save time, we we will say OSBI. Uh, She said authorities do not have any suspects and are offering a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest and conviction. She says, right now, we have more questions than answers. The few answers we do have, we want to hold on to. That might help us in the long run. Pastor Carol Daniels' funeral services were held August 31st in Oklahoma City, and as you heard in the trailer there, there was like a 1,000 people turned out for uh, her funeral services. Her son, Alvin Daniels, said, quote, all my mother wanted to do was preach and her funeral would be another chance for her to spread the word of God. So any first thoughts there, Captain, regarding the early information that came out after the discovery of this horrific murder? Well, even though it's a small congregation, the problem here with such a public figure is these pastors are hired to do funerals. They're hired to do weddings. They normally counsel, marriage counsel, people outside their congregation. And then you take a typical congregation, let's say it only holds, let's say, 100 people. Mm-hmm. But the congregation could be 500 people. Or if you think about the congregation members that only show up on Easter or just Christmas, now you're talking about uh, 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. So, and then... You mentioned earlier, this is not a great area, so churches are known to take collections. The evidence, by taking the clothes, the cleaning of the body or the cleaning solution, mm-hmm. and the manner in which her body is found, to me, lends it to, to be a, a murder for a reason. Mm-hmm. But then her being a pastor and it being a church, you also wonder, is this... um. Is the motive uh, a burglary gone bad? Yeah, I mean, really, when you start to think about this, you could have a a, a bevy of motives here. And I want to be clear, I've never been to Anadarko. It, it could be the most fabulous place in the world. I'm simply going off of what was stated in the newspapers, the local newspapers at the time. I've been to Oklahoma City, great city. Uh, but they were saying that this part of town is a high crime uh, rate area. 
And like you pointed out there, you wonder, do we have a situation where this is either a premeditated murder by somebody that knew her and, and wanted her killed for whatever reason? Or two, could this have just been somebody looking to, to make an easy robbery? And I say easy robbery because the way that they describe this scenario and the way that Pastor Carol Daniels went about her business is that she would arrive at the church and the, the church's front door is unlocked and the doors are open to the public. Come in, you know, seek if you're seeking worship, if you're seeking prayer, if you're seeking advice from the great pastor, mm-hmm. whatever. Our doors are open to you, uh, all walks of life. Do we have anything that we think is possible pieces of evidence? Well, we have a bunch of really interesting things here, some of it being evidence and some of it being speculation. But before we get into that, I want to point out something that, that we've already covered is what the the investigators were saying at the time that right now we have more questions than we do have answers and answers that we have, we want to hold on to for now because they could help us in the long run. And that's where I think that there's some of this questionable movements and behaviors that we should bring up here. Um, you know, cause I've seen on some message boards and some websites where there is some speculation and people that, that, in a roundabout way suggests that they find the Bishop's story a little strange that just finding the locked door, trying to get some kind of response from inside the church that this put him on high alert enough that he has his wife contact the local police. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we should dive into that real quick because what we have here is, uh, Bishop Wilson is an elderly gentleman we already said he's using a cane at the time. Some people have questioned when the police arrive at the scene. Okay. So we have the front door that's locked, right? But we know from the incident report that the responding officer entered the church through a side door. Now it's unclear on how the officer gained access to and through that side door, because some people have suggested, well, why wouldn't the Bishop and his wife have tried the side door? you know, hinting that it could have been unlocked. Right. And we don't know from the incident report 100% if they found that door to be unlocked or here's the other scenario. There may have been obvious signs that somebody broke into that side door. Right. And so not only would the officer be able to access the building from that side door, but that would also scare the, the good Bishop and his wife to say, you know, we're not, we're not, 20 years old, honey, and I'm not packing heat. Maybe we shouldn't head in there. We don't know what we're walking into. Right. So I think we should clearly point that out. I've also found one bit of interesting thought and I, and I'm, I'm going to say that this is speculation regarding the side door because I couldn't find other stories to back this up. One source said that the door was removed as, as evidence. Mm-hmm. That at some point the investigators took that door off the hinges and made it evidence. And the speculation being that if this would have been some type of hate crime or some kind of satanic related crime, that there may have been something drawn or painted on that door. And therefore they removed it because that's something only the killer would know. 
But part of my speculation on this is going a bit of the other direction. I wonder if the door was simply broken into. But again, that was something that the killer would know. That one, the door was broken into and in the possible method of breaking into that door as well. And that could be another good reason for removing it. One thing that we didn't get to yet either, Captain, is, okay, so you have what the papers are calling the posing of the body, and we know that the we know that Pastor Daniels was stripped nude. The clothing, her clothing was not found at the scene. We know that a cleaning agent or some type of cleaning solution, chemicals were dumped on the body, but on top of that, some of her hair was burned. And some of the articles that you read will state that it was completely burned off that they burnt off her hair if you read the autopsy they burn off a good majority of her hair but she still had hair when she was found mm-hmm. so here's one it's very strange it is very strange it's it, w- what i'm getting at here is it seems like we have a situation where she's brutally attacked and i'm not going to go through the autopsy Uh, from top to bottom in this situation. Just trust me in my words when I say this was a vicious attack. And I think the captain was getting to something there that that could very likely Mm -hmm. be correct, that this could be premeditated. And it could be somebody that either wanted to seek revenge against the good pastor or had it out for her for some reason. If when we talk about overkill, If you want to go find the autopsy and read it yourself, you can. What you will find there is obvious signs of overkill. And then on top of that, the killer took the time to confuse the scene, to do things at the scene of the crime and had some time there. They didn't just flee. They didn't kill and flee. Whoever did this, they stayed with the body for a little bit of time. All right. Well, let's go over the situation. It's T-shirt time. The cabs are here. This is what doesn't make any sense to me. If that door has some kind of drawing on it, maybe some symbolism, then is the taking of the clothes, is that symbolism? Is the burning of the hair some kind of symbolism? Mm -hmm. The way the body is laid out, is that some kind of symbolism? We've seen this in other cases where the the neck injuries are so deep it almost caused causes decapitation mm-hmm. is are all these things some kind of symbolism okay so i do have some possible evidence but i also have some really good thoughts on all of that what well, do you want to hit first well let's start with the evidence and we'll just keep those in the back of our thoughts okay so first we have a possible eyewitness a man claimed he saw the murder suspect leaving the church mm-hmm. this is robert richardson said he was across the street from the church in Anadarko where the murder took place. Robert said, quote, this guy was coming out. He was covered in blood. Mm -hmm. He had a ski mask on. He had a knife in his hand, and it was dripping blood. Richardson said that he was at a car wash. So there's a car wash across the street from this church. Mm -hmm. And this is where he says that he was when he saw the man emerged from the Christ Holy Sanctified Church. He said it wasn't until a few hours later that he found out what had actually happened. He said, quote, a friend of mine said Pastor Daniels got killed, and that just hurt me to my heart. That was my pastor, Richardson said. Richardson said 
He didn't immediately go to police right away because he was drinking at the time when he saw the man, and he didn't want police to question his credibility. However, Richardson said he eventually went to police and investigators and told them what had happened, and they questioned him. It's reported that Robert Richardson is homeless and was possibly living behind that actual car wash at the time. Right. Neighbors said he makes a living doing odd jobs around town. Richardson says his story is the truth, but there are contradictions in Richardson's story. Does he have a a good look at this individual? Does does he think it's a female or male? Does he think it's a, a white man or a black man? Well, that's where we have some problems with Richardson's story. So he was interviewed by local news, by multiple local news stations. Right. And in these published reports, he gives a different story. Right. So in one report, he says that the blood-soaked suspect was black and bald-headed. But then he tells News 9 that the suspect was wearing a ski mask. Right. So you wouldn't be able to tell it's if, one or the other, then. right? If the suspect had hair or not, that's, that's the, my pet peeve is when somebody says, um, this one time in college, we had this guy that came up and he was yelling at us because we're partying. And he said, look, uh, I got some friends over and, uh, and we're having a conversation downstairs and we're trying to sleep. <laughs> and it was like, which one is it? Right. It can't be both. At the same time. Well, I, I tell you what, I don't believe Robert Richardson's story, but I do. This makes you suspicious of him. Right. Well, I, I do like the cut of his jib because he, it was presented to him that they're, they're like, hey, there's contradictions in these stories that you're saying. And he says, if anyone doesn't want to believe me, they can just go about their business. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's the big problem with his statement. Not only do they not match up, but. What I just read from are portions taken from a news story. In that particular news story, it almost makes it sound like he gave this statement to police later that day, the day of the murder or the night of the murder, or right. maybe even the next day. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is we know this now to not be true. So this does not add to the credibility of this gentleman. It just takes away from it. So not only does his story, is it different depending on who he's talking to, but he didn't immediately go to police at any time. And I know we have his statement saying, Hey, I was drinking, but from the information that I could find, he didn't go to police from anywhere until seven days to as many as 11 days after the murder. Mm -hmm. Another reason why the story is changing because he might just not remember. Well, and it's, it's difficult to narrow down exactly when he went to police because both the Anadarko police and OSBI, they refused to comment publicly on Mr. Richardson's statement or if they even spoke with him at all. So the first time I could find Mr. Richardson popping up in the media was already after the reward money was announced, which was initially $10,000, and one week later was bumped up to $15,000. Mm -hmm. So... You can take that for what you will. That's likely not evidence. Second, police did recover video surveillance footage from a convenience store adjacent to the church. This footage shows Pastor Daniels driving up 
in front of the church on Broadway to park her car at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Now, back in 2009, police were pretty tight-lipped about what was on or not on that camera footage. For the record, this is footage from two cameras, both keep in mind a distance away, but one captures kind of a side view of the front of the church, and the other camera is facing the other direction. Now, the third possible thing we could talk about in relationship to evidence is the murder weapon. We know by the autopsy findings that the murder was committed using sharp force, so very likely a knife. And judging by the report I read, likely a large one. Mm -hmm. This knife was not found at the scene, so no murder weapon left at the scene. What they did find was a large knife reported to be 6 to 10 inches in length recovered from across the street from the church at that car wash that we've already mentioned. Now, unfortunately, we now know that this knife was eliminated. So this this knife was not the murder weapon. I don't know what cleared that knife, but it's been publicly stated that that was eliminated as well, this, a possible murder weapon. Right, but this goes along with the reports that this is a rough area when you're finding knives randomly. At the car wash. Right. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, 
Thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. 
All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. And before we get into it too much here, Captain, a belated birthday, a happy belated birthday to you. There's a cheers. All right. Through the glass. Happy 420, man. While we're on the topic of items that were not found at the crime scene, we have to keep in mind that someone stripped Carol Daniels after killing her. The pastor's clothes were taken from the scene. So some have suggested that this could mean one or two of the following. That either one, this was a sexually motivated crime. Two, the clothing was taken as a trophy. This would be possibly because the offender is a serial killer or maybe a Satanist. Mm -hmm. And three, the clothing was taken to eliminate evidence and or confuse the crime scene. Yeah, it just seems like with the cleaning solution that maybe the clothes were taken to get rid of evidence. I think that's the most likely scenario regarding sexually motivated crime. There was no there was no sexual assault believed to have taken place during the commission of this murder. Mm-hmm. And I understand that it doesn't have to that does not have to occur for it to be a sexually motivated crime. But I'm with you captain. It seems to me if they're going to go to if the killer is going to go to the lengths of spending time at the crime scene to remove the victim's clothing, then they're very likely doing that to eliminate evidence and or confuse the crime scene. Now, regarding the report of the body being posed, according to investigators working the case, there are only three reasons Pastor Daniel's body would have been posed in such a way. One, it was a crime of sexual fantasy slash frustration. This is the most common reason to find a body posed sexual fantasy, or to give the killer sexual pleasure. Two, it was done out of anger and retaliation, where someone does does this to get back at the victim and to further degrade them even after death. Three, it was done with the intention of confusing investigators to make the scene look like one thing when it's actually about something else. Knowing which can give investigators insight to the killer. It is a key piece of evidence only the killer would know, which would be critical during interrogations. Now, online sleuthers, some have added a fourth possibility. Pastor Daniels was killed as a religious statement, and her body was posed to serve as some kind of biblical tableau. The interesting thing here is, out of all of those scenarios, we have we have some that line up with the possibilities in regards to removing the clothing as well. Mm -hmm. And one of those being to confuse the investigators, to confuse the crime scene. And I think that could be exactly what we have here. But I think what we, what we've not got into is a fifth possibility. Okay. So we have an expert who, who was active in this case And he has written dozens of books on the many facets of homicides, including an 800-page text that is widely known as the, quote, Bible of homicide investigations. In fact, copies of this sits on detective desk across the nation. This is a very popular um, textbook. Now, this expert wouldn't talk specifically about Pastor Daniel's case, but did discuss some of the clues left at the scene. And regarding the posing of her body, he says 
quote, if the body was posed, I can state unequivocally, it's extremely rare circumstances. He says less than 1% of all homicides present sexually posed victims. So keeping that in mind, it seems more likely that maybe she wasn't posed at all, that the body may have just been in that manner, left in that manner for whatever reason, just by happenstance, and that people have speculated that she was posed. And I think that's, that's probably a pretty good conclusion to come to in this without knowing for certain, because you would have a situation where we have a a murdered pastor found inside of a church. And if she's found lying on her back with her arms spread out, it may seem that somebody put her in that manner when after undressing her in, in, uh, doing, you know, confusing the crime scene that she was just left that way, that it was not intentional the way that she was found. Yeah, it's it, it's weird. And, and this door, I mean, this perpetrator, this uh, manure-soaked wing maggot, did he, did he do a drawing on the door or not? Do we? Well, we don't know. And, and to be honest with you, I don't, I could not confirm if that story is in fact true that they, the investigators actually removed the door. So without being able to confirm that, I wanted yeah. to make sure we included it because I find it to be interesting, an interesting portion of the investigation if it did occur, but well, well, without knowing that though, they even, it, right, yeah. w- without even knowing that it did happen, it, it's tough to speculate why they would have removed it. Yeah, and you would think at some point maybe they would even release the drawing to see if, anybody recognize that kind of artwork anywhere. But you would think that if there was some kind of satanic drawing, that that leans all the other evidence towards that. But again, is that to throw people off the scent or is that some legitimate piece of evidence we should be looking at? Well, my whole thing regarding that door is I lean toward the thought if it was removed, that it was removed because of the method of how they they got in through the door, right? The killer got in through the door less likely than a drawing, because I think that this, this investigation has had it's, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride. There are times when it pops back into the media and it seems to be a very active investigation. I think that at some point, if there was a drawing, they would say there was a drawing. They wouldn't Mm -hmm. tell us what the drawing was or, you know, go into detail about it. But I think they could clear that up because we have the investigators publicly speculating on to as to the reasons why the clothing was removed and if the body was posed. So if there was some type of drawing or graffiti that was left on that door, I think they would know why the clothing was removed and the motivation behind the murder and maybe the break-in altogether. Do you feel that the removing of the clothes is more towards removing of evidence. 100%. Like less it, sexual. Right. 100%. I, I think that the, the clothing was removed because of evidence. I think there's a, a decent chance that if a large knife was used in the commission of this murder, we've talked about this many times before. A knife is a dangerous weapon, not only for the victim, but for the offender, because a lot of times the offender will injure themselves in the course of the attack as well. Well, yeah, if, yeah. If, they, if they bled onto her clothes or suspected that they may have, 
They removing those clothes would be key. Then dumping the the chemical agent on the body to to further degrade any possible evidence, and then the burning of the hair. It, it's almost to me seems to be very clearly somebody taking a lot of effort to right, but, to cover up the crime and and, and to hide evidence. Because mm-hmm. if you kind of picture this, you what I try to do sometimes is picture how I think this could have went down. So let's pretend that the door, the side door, was in fact somebody broke into it right it's very likely that if somebody went in there with the intention of murder whether it be for revenge or religious purposes or whatever if they went in there to the church with the purpose of murder or robbery that led to murder Uh we know that the front door was found locked it's very likely we know that that she arrived at, at her normal time it's very likely she would have entered the church through that front door the bishop was expecting to find the front door unlocked. It was only when he found it locked that he was alerted that something might be going on. I then think that he noticed that the side door was obviously broken into. And I think what could have happened here is we may have an, a, a killer that knew she would be alone in the church at that time and broke into the church earlier, much like we had the uh, Missy Beavers case where the, the killer broke into the church before the victim arrives. Right. She's now in the church. The offender attacks her, kills her, locks the front door to buy time to, to do all these other methods of the clothing, the cleaning agent, the burning of the hair to remove evidence from the crime scene. Well, again, you go back to the knife being dangerous to the victim, but also dangerous to the murderer. So if the murderer bleeds onto the victim's clothes, Mm -hmm. then that would give reason to remove the clothes Mm -hmm. and it would give reason to remove the panties. And I'm, I'm going to stick on that for going to come back to that, but also maybe there was blood and the hair. Therefore you dump a cleaning agent. You then burn the hair. Now you're trying to burn evidence because I would say the removing of the clothes is to cover evidence, but the fact that her underwear was taken, to me, that leans sexual. That this guy is going to go home and you know become a sausage milker, but the the, the bra and panties being taken to me. Well, that's that's certainly a possibility. I mean, BTK. Yeah. There, there are other individuals that that do that exact thing. Because, you, like I said, I mean, but we don't know what they're trying to cover up, right? We don't know why they're taking the clothes, because it's possible that they bled on her or or whatever, and then just thought, well, if I'm going to take the clothes to cover up evidence, I take all the clothes, right? And and potentially confuse the crime scene. Yeah you know, confuse the investigators as to what it is that they're actually looking at. And I think that whoever did this from, from the evidence that's been made public. Yeah. If that was their intention, they did a good job because it doesn't appear that, that well, as of 2009, I will say it didn't appear that the investigators at the time had a clear understanding of what the motive was behind this murder. Yeah. And one thing I do want to point out though, too, is that Carol Daniels, she put up one hell of a fight, one hell of a struggle. She was fighting for her life and defended herself to the best of her ability. 
And I say that because I think that that's where the offender, that the killer may have thought that there's a, there's a uh, potential for a lot of evidence that they could have left behind because the struggle was so, was such, such a tough one. And so you, you wonder where you go, okay, is this just some really sick individual that's going to take all of the clothing for whatever purposes later, mm-hmm. or is this someone that's just really careful that in that right. moment is able to be overly cautious? I've already risked, risked further detection by staying here longer to remove this piece and that piece. Why not just take it all so I don't have to get home and, and worry what they're going to find at the crime scene? Yeah, which makes you think that it's premeditation, and if there's premeditation, then... It's somebody that she knew. Again, we see that a lot of times when there's a knife involved, and especially like take the O.J. Simpson trial or the O.J. Simpson case and almost decapitation, and a lot of people point that out to be some kind of rage, again, making it personal. Um, it's just it's very difficult. If If you really wanted to... Okay, let's pretend that this is a premeditated murder or a premeditated crime that that the offender knew would lead to a murder mm-hmm. that you could really, I believe, narrow your sus- suspect pool Way significantly yeah, yeah. because that would it would have to be somebody that either A, knew her routine and knew what would be going on that day or B, had a very good understanding of that church and its operations and and how many people were coming in and out at that time of day. Well, it's difficult to know when they get collections and when they, because sometimes uh, churches will get collections for multiple days and then do a deposit. Mm -hmm. And then, so then you wonder, was there a big donation of, of some kind that she told somebody about and then they went, Oh, well you need to deposit that. And then she goes, Oh, well we haven't deposited it yet. And that becomes your motivation. So here's some speculation that I put in to this. If it were not, I don't know the workings of this situation, but the retired Bishop that showed up that day, my first thought, had he not been retired and knowing that this was a regular meeting, but it didn't occur every Sunday, Right. My first thought was, is that when Pastor Daniels is supposed to turn over monies to the bishop and yeah. that somebody would have known that about the church and thought, well, this is when the this is when the money is at its highest right before it's going to be turned in. Right. So that's the most opportune time if I'm looking for the most amount of money with him being retired. I don't know that that would have been the situation, but this was some kind of regular scheduled meeting. Right. So I do want to circle back to Robert Richardson, who we discussed earlier. He is also known as the Florida Kid, for those of you that like nicknames. (laughs) This is the man who came forward several days after Pastor Daniel's murder to inform police that he had seen the killer leaving the church covered in blood. He did add some pieces to the story. Richardson also said that someone had been prowling around the church in the days before the crime and that he, in fact, warned Pastor Daniels about this. Now, a, okay, hold on. Go ahead. Because it seems like a lot of details of the day of and days before. And that seems a little suspicious to me. Like, why wouldn't he 
have come forward earlier. That's why I really suspect that Richardson was just looking for the reward money. Okay. And what I mean you don't by think that he's involved in any. Way. No, I think I think this is a dude that probably has fallen on hard times, and mm-hmm. he saw this and and probably wanted to help in some way, but he saw this or heard this on the street and heard that there was a large reward, and thought, you know what, I'll I'm going to go up and say that I saw somebody running from the church, and then when they catch this person months from now, they're going to have to give me the reward, right? Because I came forward and and I gave them what I'm claiming I saw now regarding Robert Richardson. Many people believe that Richardson himself is a strong suspect. Yeah. Well, he seems like a real turtle boner. So, well, another potential suspect is one Michael Hinton jr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Hinton has a history of drug abuse and a past conviction for a violent crime. This is first degree rape of a minor under 14 years old. Now, his connection to the case is this. Hinton's mother was a co-founder of Christ Holy Sanctified Church and was a close friend of Pastor Daniel's. Some have speculated that after his mother passed away, that she may have left the bulk of her estate to Pastor Daniel's and or the church, possibly enraging her son. Right. But I do want to be very, very clear about this next point. No solid evidence of this has ever been uncovered. This is just pure pure speculation. Nobody has, there's no paper trail to suggest that his mother did in fact leave money to Daniels or to the church. And while we're on the topic about the, you know, the church and its money, if, if you didn't know the church by just based off of appearance in right. in the location, this yeah. is not a church that I would anticipate would be holding a lot of money. No, no, no. Okay. Um, one of the more popular online theories states that Pastor Daniels was murdered as some kind of work of a serial killer. And, and this, the online theory is very specific. Serial killer Israel Keys. Oh, yeah. So according to Keys, he committed crimes all over the United States And he explained to law enforcement after he was caught that his work as a construction contractor enabled him to move around frequently without suspicion. Keys would monitor natural disasters like floods, tornadoes, and hurricanes, and then respond to the affected areas to bid on jobs, to bid on work. Right. Just three months before Pastor Daniel's murder, Anadarko was hit by a series of heavy storms and tornadoes. So this could certainly have provided Keys with a reason to be in the area. Also yeah. worth noting, though, Keys was reported to have um, several satanic-themed tattoos. So, yeah, that, that, I mean that's a very interesting theory there. He and, has, and and we know Keys is a giant turtle boner, anyways. Well, so. Well, and he also admittedly used chemicals at crime scenes to destroy potential forensic evidence. Mm. Now, so have, have they done any DNA testing or fingerprints? Because I'm assuming his DNA is now in the system. Well, remember OSBI, they couldn't find any fingerprints or DNA at the scene. <sighs> yeah. the, they were searching for those two items, and they... they very quickly figured out that they didn't have either of that. Again, again, another reason why they'd take the door though, right? Because right. if, if you have all the, all the clothes are gone, the hair is burnt, you know, there's cleaning solution all over 
the body. Then you go, okay, well, we know they went through this door. So let's just take the door and test every part of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's frustrating. So one issue I have to present regarding keys as a, as a good suspect. Yeah. Okay. So let's keep in mind, first of all, what is the math that he was there at that time in this particular individual was killed and he, he didn't know this victim, right? There's nothing to suggest that he knew her, knew the area, knew the church, but he's a monster, man. Yes. He's definitely a monster, but, but right there, that's quite the stretch already. Then on top of that, Keyes seems to only have targeted white victims. Yeah. And in, in in his cases, the female victims were violently sexually assaulted. Yeah. And his crimes were largely sexually motivated. And none of Keyes' known crimes bear any sort of religious hallmark either. So it doesn't seem to fit his MO. Right. But but I think any killer that has a bigger number of kills, there's going to be some outliers. Mm-hmm. So possibly. And then again, then it's like, well, the taking of the clothes possibly could become sexual at that point. Mm-hmm. Some other newsworthy items regarding this case. Uh, I found this particularly interesting. One reverend said that the murder helped to motivate him to get a concealed carry license. Reverend Brian Ball says he sometimes carries his weapon during his sermons and regularly carries when he is alone at the church in which he works. It depends on uh, what kind of church you're the pastor of. But But I think, yeah, if you're going into buildings that are as big, I mean, this church was small, but, Think about some of the churches that these pastors and priests have to go into by themselves, and there's multiple entrance ways and exits way exit ways, mm-hmm. and there's probably not a ton of security guards all the time. Probably more, you know, security guards at the bigger churches, like during business hours, there might be a couple, but um, they're they're there a lot by themselves alone. Well, and you have uh, several different kinds of churches, some that are in troubled areas and they lock their doors and some that are in troubled areas and they leave the doors open to, yeah. because they're there for the community. Right. So that really puts someone who's really just trying to do really good work as a potential victim when anybody could just walk through that door and be one-on-one with somebody. I actually, I applaud this move. I think that, you know, you say what, it depends on what kind of church that that you're running, whether you should conceal and carry or not. I think, I think an American church, you conceal and carry. No, it was was a bad joke, but I was, you know, because, you know, if you go to a Baptist church, they're up and singing and and vibrant, you know, and if you go to like a Catholic church, they're kind of like kneeling, sitting and kind of boring. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a bad joke. Well, some other newsworthy items since uh, we have the church. This actual church was torn down in 2010, just months after the murder. Mm-hmm. And in its place, a memorial to Pastor Daniels was put up. Uh, we should also note that the FBI got involved almost immediately in this case. And then we have Dr. Cooley Trant. 
and I, I don't know if I'm saying the name correctly. My, my handwriting scribbled on this note here. Mm-hmm. This is the doctor that performed the autopsy. This individual was fired and actually sued in 2010, not in relation to this crime, not in relation to this case, but I think it's something. Did you say the name was Cooley? Trant. It looks like I wrote T-R-A-N-T. Okay. Not Cooley Malik? Not Cooley Malik? No. Um, And then we have this situation, which I find incredibly interesting. In 2012, Daniel's mother, Carol Daniel's mother, who was then 85 years young, God bless her, Etta Dunlap, said one thing that has not been discussed is that her daughter's purse and briefcase were missing from the church. Dunlap said that she has heard nothing from law enforcement in several months. Quote, I haven't heard a thing, not one single thing, she said. No one seems to be doing anything. And this is this too is interesting. Dunlap said the only clue that her daughter provided before her death was that two people would often come to the church when she was there. Quote, two men, she said, would come to her church all of the time. One would sit in the back and one would go to the piano. And she told them that they would have to be saved or they could not come and play the piano anymore. Now, she goes on to say that she never asked her daughter what the names were of these individuals. And she says to this very day, it, it really bothers her. And she says, I often worry and wonder about those two people. She did go on to say in this same interview that she is confident that the crime will eventually be solved. She says she's got a feeling that the person is going to come forward and confess at some point. Well, I think that her gut feeling, I think for whatever reason, I think the universe gives us answers sometimes that we need. And this gut feeling that these two boys that were coming into the church are important means something. But I also think the gut feeling that she had that this will be solved. The information that came out in 2012 kind of points to this idea that it's going to be solved at some point. Yeah, so there's been a lot of things that have come about in this case since 2012, since that interview with with Daniel's mother. And the first thing is that investigators eventually did release the surveillance video to the public, Mm -hmm. which does show something suspicious. The security cameras at the nearby convenience store captured a blurry white figure leaving the vicinity of the church at the time of the crime. Now I want to be clear about something. When we say blurry white figure, I've watched this video from time, you know, multiple times. It's a good distance away. It's almost like you're seeing like a, like a ghost or something like it's, you you know, picture, picture you're watching something in black and white. And all you can tell is that there's something lighter than its surroundings and it's a human form moving. So you're not, you're not getting any, description of this individual of, of the person leaving the church. So it's very low quality, quality video. This prevented investigators from making any type of identification on who this person is. But what's interesting is what the video does show what you can depict from the video. And that is that there are several people out on the streets and nearby 
when this person is fleeing the area. Right. So you have several potential witnesses that were captured by the cameras. Now, and these these people are closer and, and, and much more detectable, where they may have been able to identify some of these people and then speak with them. Yeah, what's sad is in a lot of these areas that have high crime, um, the people don't trust the cops, so they don't come forward with information. So what we end up learning from this is that according to the district attorney, he says, quote, there are a lot of people out at that time. Logic says somebody saw something. Well, it took a long time, but people started to talk, and some of them were talking to the authorities. The DA says, quote, they were hearing the scuttlebutt around town. They know who did this. People were saying it was two people. D.A. Hicks says the two in question were violent drug dealers and people were afraid to come forward. Hicks says investigators considered several motives through the years. Eventually, they were calling it a foiled robbery, where the suspects likely looking for drug money came into the church and killed Daniels. In 2015, a woman offered a potential break in the case. She actually witnessed a suspect with a black blouse and a knife that had blood on it. And it was around the time of Pastor Daniel's murder. D.A. Hicks says the woman led investigators to a shed located behind a home in Anadarko. She advised that those items were taken into the shed and burned. Okay, so we have a witness that comes forward and says, I, I saw somebody that should be suspected of this crime. Right saw them with the murder weapon, saw them with items that I believe were taken from the church and then burned in the shed. She shows the investigators where the shed is. The problem is we're now six years later. We're now six years after the fact. They searched that shed. They can't come up with any evidence from that shed to present, uh, to build a case against this individual. So not only did that search come up empty, the woman, the witness, passed away just days later after giving investigators that information. Now, I believe that she was able to name this suspect. It wasn't just, I saw somebody that looked like this going in the shed. Mm -hmm. I believe she was able to name them because we do have a report that says the OSBI polygraphed several witnesses and the suspects themselves and neither offered a confession. So D.A. Hicks says, it seems, in regards to this case, it seems like every time we take a step forward, we're taking two steps back. In 2017, at the request of D.A. Hicks, a multi-county grand jury took up the case. But then another setback. The main suspect, who was Denise Darnell Cooper, died of cancer before grand jurors could hear her testimony. Hicks knew he wouldn't get an indictment. And now they would have to find another avenue to prosecute suspect number two. At the proceedings, other possible witnesses were called. This included then-prisoner Kevin Mahan. But he, like others before him, offered nothing of value. Now, I wonder why he specifically mentioned. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he's actually suspect number two. Yeah. Because they never name, well to where I could find suspect number two, but they specifically mention him as possible witness was called 
before the grand jury. He said nothing to them. Right, or he's a prisoner informant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be a, a, a jailhouse snitch or something. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so when asked, uh, when the DA was asked, he did say he thinks this cold case will be solved at some point. Hicks said, quote, I look at it this way. It is solved. My question is, will we be able to bring justice, bring it to justice? And he says, I'm not going to stop trying. The DA's task force investigators are still working the case. All those who loved Carol Daniels are still searching for justice. Anyone with information is asked to call the OSBI tip line at 1-800-522-8017 or email tips at osbi.ok.gov. And a quick quote from Bishop Wilson. Quote, I want them to remember Carol was a very faithful lady and she was a very sweet lady and she's somebody everybody should have gotten to know. I just remember a very ambitious, sweet lady. This week we have some recommended listening for everybody out there because when we were doing research for this case, this week's case, it reminded us of three different cases that we've covered before. And I think that you'll find some very interesting similarities between those three cases in this one. One is Missy Beaver's case. Also, we have Todd Kohlhepp, the real estate serial killer. And we also have the case called The Devil Did It. And those are from 2018 and from 2017. For our back catalog, download the Stitcher app for free and you can listen to episode one to episode now all for free on the Stitcher app and check out on Stitcher Premium our weekly show called Off the Record where we do updates and talk about true crime documentaries and a bunch of nonsense. Yes, it's a show about nothing. Uh, Also, we want to give a shout out to our friends at Looney and Rue, and I want to make sure I spell that in case I'm saying it wrong. It's L-U-N-I and R-O-O, Looney and Rue. They make fantastic dog collars, fantastic dog leashes. You'll want to check them out if you are a pet owner, and they have provided us with a code to pass along. Use code GARAGE20 for 20% off to everyone that wants to pick up one of their finely crafted dog collars yeah check out looneyandrue.com or i will post a picture of these awesome collars on our instagram page and we can't wait for you to come back and join us next week until then be good be kind and don't litter Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. 
Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.